Thanks for checking out the One Church podcast today. If you are new to One Church and want to learn more about us, you can always check us out at imonechurch.com. Now, here's Pastor Crystal Sparks. Well, amen. How are you guys doing this morning? Y'all doing good? Okay, that was really, really weak. <laughs> uh, good morning. How are you guys doing this morning? Okay, that's one church. That's better. I thought I was at another church for a second. Because um, a quiet church is a... And we're not dead, are we? Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't dead. Okay, I'm just going to tell you, first service was pretty dead. So I need some alive people in this service. Come on, somebody. So, hey, I'm so glad that you are here. If this is your first time uh, joining us, my name is Crystal Sparks. And my husband and I are the lead pastors here at One Church. And we believe God's doing amazing things. And I truly believe from the bottom of my heart that you're not here by chance or by accident. But you're here because we've been praying for you. We've been believing God for you to come. So thank you so much for joining us. Uh, so real quick, before we get started, can we welcome our Silver Springs campus. We're so glad that you guys are a part of us. We love you guys so much. And for everyone listening online, if you're ever in the area, please stop by. I promise you we'll make you feel right at home. Welcome home isn't just something that we put on signs or on our shirts or on our worship guides. It's truly the message that we carry in our hearts. So we'd love for you to come see us if you're ever in the area. And well, hey, I want to let you know about a few things going on here at One Church before I get into the message today. And the first thing is, I know that you guys know that we are have been in a building project. And I feel like we've been in a building project since day one. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, Brian Sparks uh, is always pushing me <laughs> and challenging my faith. And from day one, when we started this church, he said, we are going to buy land and we're going to pay cash for it in the first year. And I was like, how about we just try to get people to come in the first year? <laughs> but he's always believing God for big things. And, and we as a church community, we were able to see the money come in. We paid cash for our land in the very first year. And that was amazing. Come on, somebody. I mean, that was a miracle. And then through this time, we've been raising funds and doing all these things. And we thought we were going to build on the land. In fact, we got so many prophetic words that God was going to give us a building, but it wasn't going to be on that land. And sure enough, this year, we've seen God do that at the end of 2018. We purchased uh, the building there on I-30. And oh my goodness, we're so excited about moving into that. And so we are finishing up that project as we speak. And as you guys know, we've had a lot of rain. And so on Thursday, we got a phone call from Rafter P just saying like, there's no way, like with all the rain and everything that for us to be able to be in there next Sunday. And so next Sunday, we are hoping and believing it's gonna be our last Sunday here at Ford Elementary. And then we'll meet um, from then forth, right? To um, in our new building. Come on. And here's the thing is we've been doing this over 200 Sundays. I mean, to the team that has been here since the beginning, just, I'm just curious if you were here on our very first Sunday, when we launched the church, the very first Sunday, can you just stand up where all my people were here on the very first Sunday? Oh my goodness. Can y'all give it up for them? Y'all have been here over 200 times tearing down and setting up. And so I'll just say, if we've done it over 200 times, what's one more week, right? And so we want to move in there strong, like Pastor Ryan has said. And so just be praying. Uh, I've had a lot of people ask me, like, how can we pray for you? Uh, honestly, just pray that the rain goes away. Um, just that the rain will hold at bay. We've got a lot of landscaping projects that need to get done in our parking lot, trying to get that finished. And um, for us to be able to go over there. And I've told everyone, you guys know, 
know that when one church does something, there's no question about it, right? We blow up your social media. We blow up your inbox. Like when we move over to the new building, you won't miss it. We'll have signage here. Like you won't miss the move, okay? So don't worry, um, but just stay posted. Be praying for us. And we are believing next Sunday will be our last Sunday here at Fort Elementary. Also want to let you know that uh, next Sunday is Vision Sunday. And what we do as a community, if you're new to our community uh, here at One Church, we do Vision Sunday twice a year. And September is our big reveal. It's where we celebrate our uh, birthday, our birthday each year. And then Brian also releases our New Year declaration um, for our church. And so, but in that, the uh, in six months in, in March, we always pause and just talk about how far we've come as a church. We raise center around the vision. We talk about all we've done and all we've got ahead for us. And it's always such an amazing Sunday because I love hearing what we're a part of here at One Church. And so I just challenge you, come next Sunday. I'm believing we're going to finish this season at the school strong. Amen. And so I would love for you to be here, be a part of that. I know a lot of people are on spring break. And so, um, but we would love for you to be here. So, hey, with all that said, we're going to jump in today's message. And I find myself in a different situation because we're not in a series. Um, This is just a freestanding message, which means I could preach whatever I wanted, which sounds easy until I got to doing it. And it was really hard. Um, But if you're taking notes today, and I hope you are, um, you can do it either on our app or if you're old school, you can do it with paper and notes. Uh, You can title this A Piece in the Puzzle. And we're going to be in 2 Timothy 4, 10 and 11. And it says, for Demas has deserted me for the love of this present world. And has gone on to Thessalonica. Cretans has gone to Galatia. Titus to Almatia. Luke alone is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you. For he is very helpful for me in the ministry. And let's jump over to Colossians. We're going to read chapter 1, uh, verses 15 through 20 in the message translation. And it says this, Christ holds it all together. We look at the sun and see God who cannot be seen. We look at the sun and see God's original purpose in everything created for everything, absolutely everything above and below, visible and invisible, rank after rank after rank of angels. Everything got started in him and finds its purpose in him. He was there before any of it came into existence and holds it all together right up to this moment. And when it comes to the church, he organizes and holds it all together like a head does the body. He was supreme in the beginning and leading the resurrection parade. He is supreme in the end. From beginning to end, he's there, towering far above everything and everyone. So spacious is he, so roomy, that everything of God finds its proper place in him without crowding. Not only that, but all the broken and dislocated pieces of the universe. People and things, animals and atoms get properly fixed and fit together in vibrant harmonies, all because of his death, his blood that poured out from the cross. Isn't that so good? Some of you just got your Bible read in just right there. You are, you are done. You can check it off. You are done reading your Bible for the day. Um, can I pray for us as we continue our time together? Jesus, we just thank you uh, so much for this word. Father, we just declare in this place that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. Father, I declare that every ear is open and receptive, that every heart will be softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, I declare in this place that every life will be changed, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody who believed it said... 
Amen. Amen. You know, I think I'm really an old person trapped in a young person's body. In fact, the older I get, the more at home I feel um, because I've always been kind of like an old soul. And uh, Brian and I, we, we always joke that we are old because our idea of a good Friday night is me being in bed by 830 is like my favorite. Like I am like an old person like that. And in fact, one of our favorite trips that we've ever gone on together, we went to Savannah, Georgia. How many of you guys have ever been to Savannah, Georgia? It is a Amazing! Like, put it on your bucket list of places you need to go. It is beautiful. Like, the whole time you're there, you feel like you're walking in a movie scene. Um, basically, Forrest Gump, right? And uh, and so when we were there, um, we were walking the streets, and it was so funny because all the tours that we went on, we were the only people not getting the 65 senior discount for our lunch and dinner because um, everybody else was getting the senior citizen discount. In fact, we were checking on all of our friends on all the tours, making sure they were getting their medicine, that they weren't going to fall and break a hip. I mean, seriously, like I was like laughing. I was like, why do we vacation places with senior citizens? We were the only people under seriously under the age of 60 um, that whole time everywhere we went. But it was one of my favorite vacations. And in fact, growing up, I loved my mom would always do puzzles. And so because, you know, she just loved puzzles. And so we would have our dining room table and she would have all the puzzles out. And she loved to do the Thomas Kincaid ones, which are really hard, by the way, because every single piece looks exactly the same. And so we would sit there for hours and put puzzles together. It's like some of my favorite memories as a child growing up. And so recently I told Brian, I was like, I just have this anchoring, like I have this desire to do a puzzle. And he's like, that is weird. And I'm like, I know, I just, I really, I don't know why it's like in my system. I just, I want to make a puzzle. And so, uh, which isn't it funny, Brian up here leading worship, Shane was beside him. Don't they look like the same human? And, um, you know, if it tricks the wives, it's bad. Um, it tricks Ashley and I all the time. I've, I've nearly had several awkward moments anyways, but, um, just saying the other day, we're okay. Right. We're family. Right. I I came up, I didn't know it was Shane and I did my hand on his back like this. And then I saw the side of Shane's face. I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I thought you were my husband. (laughs) I'm so sorry. It was just his shoulder. Okay. Um, but the way I touched his shoulder is a little bit different anyways. Um, I was sending in my vibes (laughs) anyways, but you guys, anything can happen in second service. (laughs) Okay. So Brian goes and he surprises me and he knows that I love Mickey Mouse, right? So he shows up at the house with a Mickey Mouse puzzle and he's like, look what I got you. And I was like, you are so sweet. So I go to the office the next day and I told Ashley, I said, you'll never guess what Brian did for me. He got me a puzzle. She goes, Shane came home with a puzzle too. I was like, are you kidding me? And he, Brian and Shane got us both, Ashley and I, the same puzzles without knowing that each other was getting it for the other wife. Is that not weird? I'm like, y'all are the same person. And this is weird. Well, in my mind, I'm extremely competitive, Tara. And so in my mind, I'm like, they've got the puzzle. I've got the puzzle. Now it's a competition. Who's going to finish first, right? And so I start putting mine together. And it really wasn't fair because Shane decided to jump into the competition. He was helping Ashley. And Brian was like, that's where me and Shane are different. I'm going to leave you to build the puzzle. I'm out. I'll be in the living room. And so I've been doing this. So then Ashley comes to the office and lets me know that she finished her puzzle. But here's the good news. She was missing two pieces. 
which means she's technically not done. So I was quick to point this out that technically I could still be the winner. And so I started putting it together and it was finally, it came to the moment. Like I knew, I was like, tonight is the night that this puzzle is going down. Like it's going down. So I do what every good friend does. I call a fellow puzzle lover, Donnie. And I'm like, you have to get over to my house tonight, girl. We are putting this puzzle together. If we had to stay up till one o'clock in the morning, like team can't stop. Stop, won't stop. We doing this. And so, you know, any puzzle people in the house? Okay. You know that moment when it's all coming together and you're freaking it out? Like, cause you're like, oh my gosh, like I have worked on this for weeks. And now, and so I'm screaming in the dining room. I'm like, Brian, you're going to miss it. Like, this is the best moment ever. It's all coming together. And then he comes in, you know, side note, it's amazing who shows up at the end of your race. He wasn't there to help me the weeks before. And so we're putting it together and I'm screaming and he's screaming and Donnie's screaming. And we're like, oh my gosh. And then comes this moment and every piece is in its place, except for one in the center of the puzzle. And I'm like, no. And part of me is like, I sowed that seed to Ashley. Like I've been marking her all this time. And now like God gave it back to me. And so we do what every responsible, logical adult does. All three of us without saying anything, all three of us drop to our hands and knees and we start crawling around the dining room table, (laughs) looking for the piece. We start taking a crawl apart furniture, looking for the piece. And we didn't find it. And Donnie's like laying on the dining room table. And she's like, I cannot believe we gave all this time, all this effort. And this is what we get. And I'm like, yeah, but we're still more done than Ashley and Shane. Cause they were missing two pieces. We're only missing one. So technically we're, ours is more complete. And she goes, there has to be a meaning in all this. And I was like, yeah, you want to know what the moral of the story is? Is sometimes God gives you a box and it doesn't have all the pieces. And she was like, oh gosh, she's like, please say this isn't true. And I I started laughing, but as funny as that is, isn't that kind of how life feels like sometimes? Like you got the box, but it didn't come with everything you needed. And you've got everything you thought. And and in your mind, you're like, but God, I thought it was going to look different than this. And and you get to the end and you realize like, maybe God forgot about me. But I just want to tell you that in Jeremiah 29 and 11, it says that before he knew you, he formed you. In other words, he put every piece that you would ever need on the inside of you. And so in other words, this, God's not like the puzzle manufacturer. Like he's going to make sure that you have everything you need. But I will say in the process of life, There's a lot of opportunities to begin to question, do I really have everything I need? I want you to write this first thing down as we continue our time together, that the peace never looks like the picture. The piece never looks like the picture. You know, whenever I was putting together that puzzle, there was moments where I would pick up puzzle pieces and I would think there is no way that something this ugly is a part of this picture. Like there is no way. And I kept telling Donnie and Brian and all my friends, I'm like, I think they put another puzzle's pieces in our box. Like I think somebody messed up at the factory and like played a cruel joke on us. Like, because there's no way. But as the thing came together, I realized that every piece was part of 
of it and every piece was part of the picture. But a lot of times, if we'll just be honest, there's pieces or seasons, if you will, of our life that don't look like the picture that God showed us. And I want to tell you that if you're in a season or in a time of space of feeling that way, that you're not in bad company. Because in fact, I love whenever the Bible tells us the story of Abraham, God takes him outside the tent and has him look up at the stars of the sky and down at the sands at his feet. And he says, so numerous shall your descendants be. He gives him a picture, but then he gives him the peace of going home to a barren wife for another few years. See, God will always give you a peace that doesn't look like the picture. I want you to think about Joseph. He goes to sleep one night and God gives him a dream. And in that dream, he sees that he's going to be second in command over all of Egypt. And the next piece that God gives him is his brothers rejecting him, him going to prison, him being falsely accused. Those are the pieces that follow that big picture dream. What about, what about David? He's anointed as king before his brothers. God gives him the picture that he's going to become king. And then God gives him the peace of going back out to the field. Then a few years later, he gets the peace of having to run for his life from Saul. See, a lot of times I'll just tell you that when you're on a journey of faith, that the peace never looks like the picture. It's never going to look like what God's promised you. But just because the peace doesn't look like the picture, it doesn't mean that it doesn't have a place. And if you're here and you're in a time and in a space and you're wondering, what does this season have anything to do with what God's promised me? I just want to tell you that you're in good company because every person who's going after God and doing big things for God goes through seasons of feeling that exact same way. I can't tell you how many times I've been through seasons like that. God gives me the picture of thousands of women coming to a women's event and then gives me the peace of 20 women coming. For 10 years, 20 women coming. And the only reason why the 20 women were there was because I asked them to volunteer. (laughs) But that's the truth, right? But it's being faithful in the peace that God's given you. And I want to tell you that no season's wasted in God. So when you, if you find yourself in a time and a space where the peace doesn't match, match the picture, then this is your time to not tap out. But this is your time to serve more, to give more, to honor more, to love more, and just decide, God, I know that this is going to fit into the picture eventually. Because here's the thing, is that your faithfulness to the big picture that God's shown you is often tested in the peace that does doesn't match the picture. And it's how you show up to the 20 will determine how you get to show up to the thousand. But we want to fast forward to the thousand. Come on, somebody. And we want to skip the 20. We want the marriage that's already together. And we want to neglect the piece of when it's not working out. We want to neglect the piece of our kids being rebellious and fast forward to the season when they're serving God. But God says, I'm going to give you this piece and see if you can be faithful in this piece to qualify you for the picture that I've shown you. Come on, somebody. So just be encouraged. If you've got a big vision for your life and all of a sudden you see yourself with pieces that don't make sense, just know that eventually it's going to be a part of the big picture. But it's just how you deal with this season. No season is wasted in God. And I can honestly say that today I am a little bit of every season that I've been through is everything I'm using today. Why? Because no season is wasted in God. In other words, there's nutrients in this season that you need to learn. Oftentimes, God will tell you that you're going to be the boss of a company, but then he sticks you under a terrible boss. Why? Because he wants to see how well you can honor them. Come on. 
Anybody can serve well when they go under a good boss, but it's, it takes a lot. Why? Because the peace doesn't look like the picture, but he wants to see, are you faithful to me even when things don't make sense? Are you going to honor me even when it doesn't look like it's all coming together? See, in your season, in these seasons, God's preparing you for what he's prepared. God's preparing you for what he's prepared. The second thing I want to tell you is that every peace has a place. Every peace has a place. You know, whenever I'm, whenever I'm looking for a cup at my house, I don't go to the cabinet. You know, if you're at my mother-in-law's house, she's got so many dishes for every season and every occasion. And you have to have the right cup for the right plates and all of that. I ain't got time for that, y'all. Like if we got clean cups, we're doing good. And if we got Dixie cups, we're doing really good, y'all. <laughs> and, uh, but whenever I go looking for a cup, there's only two specifications I'm looking for. A cup that's clean and a cup that's available. I'm just looking for something that's clean and that's available. And I think a lot of times we think with God, he's looking for the most talented. He's looking for the most gifted. No, he's looking for somebody who's clean and who's made themselves available. That is what God is looking for. And we're striking ourselves out because we don't think we're talented enough, qualified enough, gifted enough. And then the other day in my quiet time, the Lord's like, Crystal, I want you to go through and read every letter from Paul at the very end. If you guys know, Paul's letters are um, always met with tons of goodbye to everyone. And Paul's letters would be Ephesians, Galatians, Colossians, uh, 1st and 2nd Timothy, and, and so on. And so whenever you read through the end of those, he says a whole chapter of farewells. And so I went through every single one and I read the chapter at the end. And I said, okay, God, what did you want to show me? He's like, okay, well, you didn't see it. So go read it again. So I read it again. And because I'm not very smart, I went back to the Lord. I was like, God, I don't know what you're trying to show me. And he said, Crystal, did he talk about how educated they were? Did he talk about how qualified they were? Did he talk anything about their gifting? And I said, no. He goes, the only thing he noted about them is that they were faithful and that they were available. Come on, somebody. And God at the end of our lives isn't looking for the most qualified, the most gifted, the most talented. And all of a sudden I began to realize that me looking for my peace to have a place was only predicated on how talented I felt, how qualified I felt, how secure I felt. When God's just looking and saying, if you'll be faithful and be available, you'll be used in the kingdom. Come on, somebody. That's all he's looking for. And I think a lot of times we look at the gift that we have and it feels so insignificant compared to somebody else. And here's the thing is God's not looking at any of that. I've found in God is this, is that he's not looking for the person with the best education. He's not looking for somebody who's the most musically talented. He's just looking for the person who will be the last person standing. In other words, I know anybody can serve God for six months, but where are you going to be in six years? Come on, can you show up after 40 years, Moses? Can you trust God no matter what? Because it's when you're faithful in the process, even when things aren't going the way that you thought, come on, and you just stay faithful and you just stay available and you keep doing the last thing that God's told you to do, then all of a sudden that's how your peace has a place. But a lot of times we are so enamored with ourselves and we're so overcome with ourselves because we feel like it's all about us, but truly it's all about God. It's just as we show up, he qualifies. As we show up, he gives us gifting. As we show up, all of a sudden we begin to have the favor that we need. And here's the thing is I just want to challenge you today. Why, why do you keep thinking that your peace doesn't have a place in the picture of what God's doing? You are a peace in this house. You have a place in this house. And I'm just going to go a step further. We won't be all we're called to be as a church until you get your peace in place. 
Because this church is not built on me. This church is not built on Brian. It's built on the gifts and the talents and the faithfulness of many. And I'll challenge you that a lot of times I think what happens is the enemy will begin to try to disqualify us because he knows the significance of our place. And he wants so badly to try to begin to strike us out. In Isaiah 43, verse 19, this is so good. He says, I'm about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I love that. I love that for so many reasons, but the the word perceive there, I've been stuck on this verse. And so I looked it up in the original translation and the word perceive there means to see and to say. So God's saying, I'm about to do a new thing. Are you seeing, are you looking back at what once was and all you're doing is talking about what it used to be? Are you seeing and talking about the new thing I'm about to do? Because so often, a lot of times I'll just say that God says he's gonna do a new thing because sometimes things look like it's going in reverse instead of going forward, right? God's about to do a new thing, but it looks like everything's falling apart. I remember we were six months old and we were meeting here at the school and we got a phone call from the school and they're like, hey, we're so glad that you guys are here, but um, just letting you know that in six weeks, you can't have service here anymore. That was a true story. And I was like, okay, God, like, what are we going to do now? And that's when we moved to occasions, uh, the wedding venue. And, and at that moment, I felt like things were falling apart. But the truth was God used occasions that time. And it was like our little womb over there. And we just grew and God blessed us and did amazing things. And I say that to say this, that if I was so busy looking at where God was, I wouldn't miss where I would miss where he is. And a lot of us are looking back at past seasons, what God used to do. As side note, religion always looks to the last place it saw God move. Come on. And so we're always looking back. And I want us to be a church. We're going to always be a church that's looking and talking about what God's about to do. We're not going to spend all of our time and all of our energy talking about the good old days. Come on, somebody. We're going to be a people with our heads up and our hearts open. And we're looking to the future with expectation. Because if we're not careful, we'll glamorize the past and miss what God's about to do. That's why churches die. Because they stop moving forward and they have a nostalgia for what used to be. I remember whenever we started the church and, and people were telling me, oh, Crystal, I remember the good old days when we were in your house and it was launch team meetings. And, and for those of you that don't know, we built a team of 91 people in our house. That sounds impressive until 91 people show up at your house every week and they rip the curtains off your walls and destroy your carpet. Come on, somebody. I mean, my house was never the same in Jesus' name. I mean, but for real. And I say that to say this, I don't miss those days. Why? What are they doing? They're, they're remembering a time that God first touched their life and they haven't had another touch since then. And that's not God's fault. That's their fault because they're in love with their past. Come on, somebody. And we've got to be a church that's always looking to the future and saying, okay, God, I'm thankful for back there. I'm thankful that we paid cash for our land. I'm thankful that we bought our building on I-30. But also, God, what are you going to do next? We're going to be seeing and we're going to be talking about what God's about to do and not in love with what he once did. Are y'all getting something out of this? Amen. Um, I love this. We're going to go to Joshua chapter three, verse four. But before we jump there, I want to give you just a little bit of backstory. So Joshua is part of the people who leave Egypt and they're supposed to make a few days journey to go into the promised land. Well, in that God gets a word from the Lord that they're going to go into the promised land. And so Moses sends in 12 spies into the land. 10 came back saying that we can't do it. The giants are too strong. And two came back saying we're well able. And I'll just say, side note, all 12 were right. 
10 that said that they couldn't all died in the wilderness without seeing the promise. In other words, you are the greatest prophet of your own life. Whether God can or he can't, he's as limited as what you say he is. Because the God who did it for the two was willing for the 10. Come on. Listen to what you're saying. And so, and then the two, Joshua and Caleb said, we are well able. Well, because of the tens negativity, they had to spend 40 years in the wilderness, walking around a mountain, doing 40 years for a few days journey. And now Joshua is about to go in and take the promised land. Keep in mind, he's already been there before. In Joshua 3, uh, 4, it says this. It says that, know the way you must go for you have not passed this way before. I love this because God's letting him know, Joshua, I'm going to take you to the same place, but I'm taking you there a different way. And I think if we're not careful, we'll try to do the same thing we've always done to get the new thing that God's got. And God's saying, Hey, I'm going to do a new thing. I'm going to take you a new way to that old place. I'm going to take you on a new journey to get to that same thing. And if we're not careful, we'll, we'll look for God in the way that we've always done things. And Joshua, God was letting him know, Hey, I'm going to take you to the promised land, but it's going to look a little bit different than what you thought. It's going to come in a little bit of a different package than what you thought. And I just will say this, that a lot of times what Christians do is we spend the rest of our life looking at the closed door that God just shut in front of us. And we miss all the open doors that are all around us. And some of you have spent the last 40 years looking at a door that God shut and you have doors open to your right and to your left. And God's saying, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? But all you're doing is talking about the disappointment. Come on. And here God is telling Joshua, hey, I'm going to take you to that place, but it's going to be a little bit different. Here's the thing. Are you okay with getting to the place that God has you, but it's going to look a little bit different than what you thought? Because some of us, we're fine with God moving as long as it looks exactly like the way we wanted it to. Here's the thing. is either God's the author of your life or you are. You don't get both. Either he's in control or you're in control. And I found this, that God's really good at writing my story, right? Surrender the pen, let him do it. He's got this. All right, number three, patience connects the pieces. Patience connects the pieces. You know, I think if we're not careful, we will tap out on what God has for us. Not because God's not able, but because we get tired of the journey, Honestly, we get weary in the waiting process. You know, we opened up with the story about Demas and Demas is written about in 2 Timothy. And Paul, for those of you that don't know, Paul is in his final moments. In fact, 2 Timothy 4 is where he pins the words, I have, fought, I have run the race. I fought the good fight. I fin- I've run the race. I finished my course, right? He's about to be uh, murdered. He's about to be um, given up, die a martyr's death. And he's in his final moments and he's pinning these words and you hear the heartbreak on the inside of him. And he says, Demas has left me for the love of this world. And I think about that and he goes on to say, Luke alone is with me and he's faithful. And I think about that because Demas had followed Paul. In fact, Demas had made a headline in Paul's letter several times. But what's sad is here Paul is at the end of his life and Demas is saying, I didn't think that the story was going to end like this. And so this is where I leave. Isn't it interesting that we're fine serving God as long as it goes the way we want it to? And here he was at the moment where Paul's about to be, uh, give up his life. And he goes, you know, I was good to be with you whenever the miracles were happening. 
I was good to be with you when we saw all kinds of signs and wonders. I was good to be with you when the thousands of people were getting saved. But now that it's in a prison cell, this is where it stops. And this is where most Christians miss it. See, in the Bible, there's two words used for time. There's chronos and there's kairos. Chronos is time, like chronological time. Kairos is the God time. And we want God to move on our chronos. And God doesn't care anything about your chronos. He cares about his kairos time, which is God appointed time. And what's sad is Demas missed out on the God appointed time of what God was going to do. Not because God wasn't willing, but because he wasn't willing to be patient. In Hebrews uh, chapter six, verse 12, it says that it is that we inherit the promises through faith and patience. See, everybody here would say we want more faith. The only way to grow your faith is to be more patient. They go together. They're like a two pack, right? If you buy one, you have to buy the other. And see, and here's the thing is Demas was going, I was full of faith when everything was going my way. I was full of faith when everything was going good. See, the greatest test of your faith is not when the miracle happens, but it's when you don't get the miracle. It's when you're in the midst of your disappointment, that yet he will he slay me, yet will I praise him. It's in the midst of when your plan didn't happen, when you prayed and the miracle didn't come through. Come on, somebody. When you believed God and you lost the job, when you were believing and the divorce papers came, that's where your faith is tested. But I love that it says that we inherit the promises through faith and patience. See, here's the thing is Demas missed out on what God had next because it didn't happen the way he wanted it to. And I'll just say this, that of all of us at the end of our life, we are either going to be written of us as Luke or as Demas. I want it to be said of me as Luke. Luke has been faithful to me to the very end. I don't want it to be said of me, Demas, Crystal. She left because she had a love for this world. I love this in Hebrews chapter 13, verse five. It's so good. You're gonna love this. It's so good. It says that I will not in any way fail you nor give you up nor leave you without support. I love this so much. I will not, I will not, I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake you nor let you down, relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. See, God is saying that because you're gonna have reasons to think that God's gonna fail you. You're going to have reasons to think that there's not all the pieces in the box. You're going to have reasons when you're sitting in the prison cell and you're going, I didn't think life was going to end up like this. I didn't think that serving God all this time was going to look this way. And here's the thing is you believing in those moments that shapes you the most. See, if you were reading in the Amplified Translation, which is the Bible that Jesus reads, it says in parentheses right here, Joshua 1.5. Why does it say Joshua 1.5? Because it's pointing back to the same way that God was faithful to Joshua. He's going to be faithful to you. In the same way that God did not fail Joshua, even though other people didn't believe, even though other people walked away, even though it didn't happen on his chronos, God's kairos eventually kicked in and he got to see the promised land. The same way that God did it for Joshua, he's going to do it for you. But here's the thing, you're letting God write the story of your life. So I want to ask you a question. Are you Demas or are you Luke? Are you Demas or are you Joshua? I remember it was several years ago and I was in a church service similar to this and I had a girl come up to me and she had tears just streaming down her face. And she said, Crystal, I just... I don't understand. Like, here you are, we got saved at the same time and and you've traveled and spoke all over the world. You got a YouTube channel that's reaching thousands of people. You're you're doing online courses. You're, You're seeing a thousand women show up at your women's events. Like, I don't understand. We got saved at the same time. And I said, well, tell me a little bit about your journey. And she said, well, I got saved at the same time as you. And she said, 
Then a few years went on and I kind of got distracted and started doing my own thing. I fell out of church and went away from God for several years. And she goes, and then six months ago, I'm back in church now. And I was like, I'm so proud of you. I said, but let me just tell you, honestly, you're wanting to see what I've seen with 18 years of faith and patience when you just stepped in for six months. Go the 18 years and then talk to me. Here's the thing. And I looked at her and I told her, I said, you know why I am where I am? Because when you were at the club, I showed up at church. When you were out partying, I was at a prayer meeting. When you were sleeping in, I was up on my face before God. When you were out living your life and making your own plans, I was showing up preaching my guts out to 20 women who didn't even want to be there. And when you were doing all that, I just kept showing up. And I want to challenge you here in this place that God measures faithfulness in years and not days. And today you can decide, you know what? I'm going to come back to him. I'm going to do what God's called me to do. Because the Bible says of Moses that he was faithful in all that God called him to do. Moses, Moses killed a guy. He struck a rock in disobedience. He did so many things that were wrong. He didn't circumcise one of his sons and nearly died on the way into Egypt. Like he did so many things wrong, yet God says he was faithful in all. Why does God say that? Because God measures faithfulness in years and not days. So that means when you make a few mistakes, God's not looking at those. He's looking at the overall theme of your life. Come on, somebody. He's saying, yeah, she made a mistake, but she got up the next day. And here's the thing is if you've messed up, just don't stay down. Just don't stay down. You can decide today. I'm not going to be Demas. I'm going to be Luke. I'm not going to be Demas. I'm not going to have a love for this world and not a love for God. I'm going to be Luke. I'm going to have it said of me that I am faithful to the end. Whatever God says. I'm going to have it said of me that I'm Joshua, that I believe even in the midst of everybody else walking away. Why? Because I know this to be true, that he brings all the broken pieces and they all find a place in him. Can I pray for you? Uh, Jesus, we just thank you so much for who you are. And Lord, here in this place, Lord, we don't want to be Demas. We don't want to have a people that have a love for this world, but are void of a love for you. So God, whatever our journey looks like, whatever places you take us to, we say yes. We say yes to your will. We say yes to your ways. We refuse to be a people who only believe in you when things are going our way. God, we declare that here at One Church, we're gonna be a people that are constantly looking and talking about the days that are ahead. We're not gonna be glorifying uh, the days that are behind us. Yes, we will remember those, but Lord, our heads are up, our hearts are open. We're looking ahead with expectation for all that you have for us. So Lord, here in this place, God, I thank you that every peace finds its place in you. If you're hearing the sound of my voice and you say, Crystal, I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've never given my heart, my life. Or maybe you say, Crystal, I prayed that prayer before, but I made some mistakes and I've fallen away. But today I want to give my life back to him. If that's you, if you want to give your life to Jesus for the first time, or maybe you want to rededicate your life to him. With every head bowed, every eye closed, I'd love to pray for you right where you're at. Would you just lift your hand on the count of three so I could pray with you? Jesus loves you so much. One, two, three, lift your hand. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my life. Take my sins and by your grace, I take your righteousness. Come into my life. Let me never be the same. In Jesus' name. And everybody who believed it said, amen. Can you all give it up for every person who just prayed that prayer? 
one church, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you would like to contribute financially, you can go online to imonechurch.com slash give. If you chose to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior or rededicate your life to Him today, then you can text Decided to 33733 so we can celebrate with you. Thanks for listening and have a great week.